Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship, BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Polina Edmonds. And today on the pod, I'm very excited to introduce our guest today. She is the 2010 Grand Prix final champion, three-time Grand Prix champion, and two-time national champion, Alyssa Sisney. Hello. How are you? (laughs) So glad you could come on the show today. So yeah, for everyone listening, her skating was always so soft, so gentle, very balletic and beautiful. For me, Alyssa, you've always been an inspiration role model, both how you skated. Um, I also feel aligned with lyrical skating, but also off the ice, getting the skate and shows with you throughout the end of my career has been such a blast just because I've gotten to experience you as a person and not just a skater on TV and also uh, witness just like good role model behavior in general. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I know that you started skating when you were one and a half years old, which is so young, so crazy. Tell us a little bit about that story. <laughs> um, personally, I don't remember, um, but my, <laughs> my parents are from Wisconsin and my parents are very active people. And in the wintertime, they would always go cross-country skiing. Um, and then they moved to Ohio because of my dad's job. And apparently, so the story goes, my mom was looking for just some winter activity because there wasn't enough snow to go cross-country skiing, but it was too cold to do activities outside. So um, in Bowling Green, the university offers classes, like university classes for the community. Um, so my mom just started taking skating classes for fun. And um, after she had my sister and I, we didn't want to stay with babysitters. So I guess she, um, she had to drag us along to the rink with her. I can't imagine though, at like two or one and a half years old that like I actually stood up on the ice. I'm sure I just sat there. Yeah, that's, that's so crazy. It's just, that is so young. I feel like people barely start walking when they're like one years old. So to already be on the ice at one and a half, like, wow. <laughs> It, it was just another playground for us, I guess. And I don't, I don't remember not skating. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> I don't remember starting to skate either. Exactly. When did you start taking from your first, like, coach? Um, my sister and I actually never took group lessons. My mom became friends with the coach of this class that she was taking. Um, and this coach, who was my mom's friend, she taught gymnastics class. She taught figure skating. So she ended up giving my sister and I some lessons um, and then she moved to Macau for a couple of years to, um, run a rink there. And so I, we took from another coach, but I think our lessons were few and far between and it was mostly public skating sessions. Gotcha. So who are your coaches throughout your career once you started really breaking out onto the national scene and international scene? Um, well, I had the two coaches that I had in Bowling Green, they were wonderful, wonderful. Um, and one of them really stressed basics and one of them um, made skating super fun. And both of them, my, when my sister and I got to a certain level, they, they sort of sat down and said, look, we, we've taken you as far as we can. Um, and we want you to go to these people or we want you to try out here. Um, so they were very professional in that way. But it also, I, I have such a great relationship with them still. Um, so then I, my, my sister and I ended up going up to Detroit, which was our two and a half hour, or hour and a half, two hour drive away. Um, and we took about a year from Diana Ronane, who coached Ryan Yankee, and um, she moved to Colorado, and we took from Julie Berlin, who worked underneath Diana Ronane at the time. So Julie took me for, I don't know, 12 years of my career, um, until the last two years when I took from Yuka Sato and Jason Dungeon. Wow, incredible. So you were injured before the 2014 
um, nationals Olympic year, essentially, what was the injury that you had and what was the recovery process slash comeback like for you? So in 2000 and the end of 2011, I started having a little bit of problem with my landing hip. Um, you know, not nothing big, like just warming up for some double axles. It started hurting. It hurt when I stretched, but nothing that felt like it prevented me from skating. Um, but it just, it sort of, my consistency got worse and I couldn't figure out what was happening. Um, 2012 Worlds was a complete disaster. Um, so I took some time off after the, that Worlds trying to figure out what was going on. And that's when my hip really started hurting. It was kind of like the season was over and my hip decided that, you know, now I'm going to tell you that I don't work anymore. So I ended up having hip surgery. Mm-hmm. I tore the labrum in my hip, had like the top of the femur bone shaved down, stuff cleared up, the whole process in my left hip, my landing hip in 2012 in June. Then I tried to, you know, did the whole recovery process, four months off the ice, this, that, the other thing. Um, And then I did a competition right before nationals in 2013, which was my first time back competing. um, And I didn't want nationals to be my first time. So two weeks before nationals, um, I just did a small local competition. Short program, great. Long program, halfway through, I landed wrong on a triple flip and dislocated the same hip that I had just had surgery on. Oh no. <laughs> so clearly I didn't compete at that nationals. Um, and I ended up having another hip surgery on the same hip, uh, in January of 2013. Uh, went through the whole process again, uh, which was hard. It was easier because I had just been through the process, but harder because I hadn't fully recovered from the first one. Um, and mm. then in, so I had to do that. You obviously, I didn't compete at nationals. I had to compete regionals, sectionals to qualify for 2014 nationals. Um, And after regionals, I just, I started having trouble with my other hip, the exact same problems. Um, So I just decided that it wasn't, well, my body decided for me that it wasn't worth trying to compete. So that, that's sort of what happened. And I ended up not having surgery on my other hip until 2016. Um, And so finally, after that, it's, it started to get better, but it's been a long process of trying to be healthy again. That is so crazy. I think that's one thing that a lot of athletes like do go through, especially on an international stage. Um, Injuries are very common, but to go through an injury like that, where it takes like a lot to fully try to recover it. And then on top of that, to also try to train again and like get back to your peak is, it's just crazy. It's, it's so hard because we as athletes don't, we won't acknowledge the injury either because you see mm-hmm. yourself at such a, an elite level of being able to move and do things that you don't want to accept that you personally are no longer able to do what you once were able to do. So I think it's, it's hard for anybody, but especially for elite athletes because we, we define ourselves by our skating or our athletics. Exactly. It's not just physical. So much of it is mental. So what was that like for you mentally throughout that entire recovery process it was really tough because I I felt like I was just coming into my own the last uh, 2010 11 season and then 11 12 season um, because I had just changed coaches and I was really learning how to compete and I was for the first time in my life enjoying competing um so I was really looking forward to the 2014 Olympics and I just I thought I could recover and then having to do it a second time just you can be as mentally strong as you want, but if your body doesn't function, it, mm-hmm. it, it's hard to give up a dream that you feel like you've worked your whole life for. Absolutely. It's something that's really hard for a lot of people to accept, not just athletes, but anybody in life that is working so hard towards a goal and an obstacle comes that you just can't work around. You have to just like go through this only path that the doctors are telling you or your coaches are telling you, whatever that may be. It's, it's, that takes a whole new level of mental strength just to accept. It, to accept and to, to redefine how you look at yourself because you're no longer mm-hmm. seeing yourself as an elite athlete, you know, trying to qualify for the Olympics. Or the, It's like you have to – the injury redefines who you think you are. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Going to touch on something you had just mentioned. So you said that that season you – for the first time, we're actually enjoying competing and really sounds like doing it for yourself. So what was that catalyst moment for you? What changed that made you actually start enjoying the process? Um, after I failed to qualify 
2010 for the Olympics, I ended up switching coaches. Um, and I went, Jeremy Abbott had been training with me um, for that prior season and, you know, won national spectacularly, went to the Olympics. Um, and he worked with Yuka Sato and Jason Dungeon. So I ended up switching coaches to them and they are amazing. They taught me so much about uh, competing and training. Not that I didn't know, but at I didn't know it to that level. And they, they worked on my technique so that it was consistent. They taught me how to train so that I was consistent at competitions. And it was just, it was a whole process that I thought I knew, but apparently I didn't know that well. Um, and so I, for the first time in my life was consistent at competitions and I knew what to expect. So I was really looking forward to just building on top of that. That's really cool. As you were 2009 champion, heading into the 2010 nationals, that is the Olympic season. So obviously you were heavily looked at as an Olympic contender to hopefully make the team. In 2010, you didn't make the team. What was that like for you to be on what probably felt like the pinnacle of your career going into it? How did you process what you were going through and recover from that to keep skating? Um, it, it's interesting because in 2010, I mean, I didn't just not make the Olympics. I kind of failed spectacularly and was 10th at nationals. Um, so it was really tough for me to, to go from first the year before to not even coming close to qualifying when I saw mm -hmm. myself, you know, competing at the 2010 Olympics. So it was, I didn't know what went wrong. You, you train so hard, you do everything that you did the year before. Um, and it just, it was, I think I put too much pressure on myself and then I ended up, um, not even sabotaging myself because of all that pressure, but simply just not living up to the pressure that I put on my own self. And I, I really thought about quitting skating after that because, you know, you work so hard and then that's what happens. You really don't want to repeat that. And you, if you think you, you can't figure out what happens. Um, but I really love skating. And I, the reason that I continue to skate is I wanted to figure it out. Um, and I really wanted skating to be my career. So I didn't want to give up at the, you know, <laughs> at such a low point in my career. I wanted to, to figure out what, what I had done to be able to win nationals and what I could do to get myself better. Um, and I just, I really didn't want to give up skating either. No, it's, it's really amazing because that is such like a big moment that you had to go through, but so many skaters go through very similar things, maybe not the exact same situation as you, but so many downfalls that they feel like, okay, this is it. Like something is just, it's the stars aren't aligning for me. Does this mean I should just stop now and I should just give up, you know? Yeah. And I find it skating too, because it's, well, not so much ice dancing because they don't leave the ice for jumps, but in, in ladies and men and even pairs, there's so much that can go wrong. Just simply the way, the nature of the sport, um, it's hard mm -hmm. to be consistent and it's hard to be consistent over years at a time. But I find that, while I watch skating, I find that the people that go through the hard times end up coming out on the other side as better skaters. You just, there's something about them that you are drawn to even more because they've gone through that hard time. And it's, it's life lessons that we learn, but it's also, I think, uh, inspiring for, for the people watching for whether it's skaters or fans. Mm -hmm. Incredibly inspiring. So what advice would you give somebody who is in a rut like that um, where you just, you feel like everything that you've been giving just hasn't been working out or hasn't been enough. How do you push through that? Uh, one thing I think is, is to not give up because it were, mm -hmm. you know, in this day and age with the instant gratification and, uh, so many other options that we think we have, it's so easy to want to give up. But if it's something that you really, truly love to do, then I think you'll find a way, but also you have to figure out what isn't working. And that's, that's really what I did is I went back and I said, what can I change? What went wrong? What do I think went wrong? What can I do better? And I, and I changed, I changed a lot of things to be able to, to come back better. And that's something we have to be honest with ourselves and only we can be honest with ourselves. That's awesome. Yeah. I remember being at the 2011 nationals watching you and all the other senior ladies skating. I was like my first year junior, but I remember being in the crowds just so inspired by the energy in the arena and yeah when you skated it was just electric so it was amazing to see <laughs> well, 
<laughs> Thanks so much. So who were your skating mentors growing up? Who did you look up to in skating? And were there any high level skaters that would actually like give you advice and whatnot as you went through your career? Um, I have to say Scott Hamilton, first of all, because I'm from Bowling Green, Ohio, and Scott Hamilton is from Bowling Green, Ohio. Um, it's a small town, so such unlikely, you know, unlikely that skaters would come from this town. So I met Scott Hamilton when I was four or five. Um, and, you know, he came to the rink one day and he just skated on a session with all of us kids and he was doing backflips and he was such a, a nice, kind person, but also he's an Olympic champion. Um, and I loved watching him skate. I loved the way he entertained audiences. So I think he was my first role model in skating. Um, but I remember watching, we, we didn't own a TV growing up. So my grandma always videotaped skating when it was on TV. And every time we visited my grandma, we would watch skating. So I remember just, you know, watching all of the tapes, the videotapes of skating and trying to imitate what I saw when I went to the rink the next day. Um, and I think, um, I mean, I was always inspired by Nancy Kerrigan and Christy Yamaguchi and Michelle Kwan, of course. Um, but Brian Botano, I met him and his coach in I think 2006 or 2007 nationals. Um, and his coach became a mentor for my coach at the time. Um, and Brian became my mentor. So it was really great to work with both Brian and his coach, Linda, just because they they have been there, right? And the whole process of what it takes to, to become an Olympian, to become an Olympic champion, um, and everything along the way of how to train, what to do, um, you know, how to get shows, what the judges think, all that sort of thing. So it was great to have um, Brian and his coach in my corner, just, just being there, standing up by the boards at Nationals, but also just giving advice all along the year. That is so awesome. So working with Brian Boitano's coach, Linda Lever, was there any like specific phrase or anything that either of them, Brian or Linda, gave you that you like still can repeat in your head, like stuck to you that that's something that I'm always going to remember. I'm never going to forget. I, I, that's a good question. I think there's a lot of things. I mean, they gave so much good advice and Linda is very smart. She just, she understands so much, but I think I remember uh, 2007 world. I had a bad short program and I was nervous, very, very nervous for the long. Um, and I remember Linda comparing my long program to uh, a math test, you know, the, the bubble test, like the SATs or the ACTs yeah. when you fill in the bubbles. And she was mm -hmm. like, every time you fill in a bubble, that's the end. You move on, you fill it in completely and then you move on. You just close that door and you, you walk through the next one. Um, and she was really trying to get me to understand that like, as a program, it was one element at a time. You do one element, you think about that element, you finish that element, it's gone. Um, instead of getting nervous about the whole the whole program or, or worrying about what was going to happen or if, you know, I was going to help the U.S. get three spots or, uh, and I, it seems like such a simple concept now looking back, but I think that was the first time I looked at my long program as one element at a time instead of this whole big uh, intimidating thing. That's actually really cool. I like that a lot. I, I love using that analogy because I loved taking tests. Like I really liked school and something like math class made sense because there were answers. <laughs> and that's really what, you know, it's really what skating is. It's like, it's not a, it's not an essay question in many ways. It's you do this, the jump happens. You do this, the spin happens. You do this, the jump happens. And that's why we work for so long. Um, but sometimes it can seem like an essay question. <laughs> Very true. Skating is definitely like a multiple choice test. You pick what you're best at, and then you got to bubble it in. <laughs> That's so awesome. So you did a lot of shows throughout your career and past your career. So how do you like show skating compared with competitive skating? When I was competing, um, I actually like such a great opportunity to start doing shows very early on. And I, I remember starring in my first club show, I think when I was – 12 or 13. Um, and it was just, it was a club that was just south of us that, that asked, you know, me to skate in a show, but I really did get the chance to, um, start performing in shows quite early on in my career, which was great. And, you know, of course, exhibitions at competitions, but I did not like skating in shows because 
um, I'd actually get more nervous for shows because it, to me, I don't know. I really liked competition. I liked, I liked how you had the result from the competition and you went out there and you either did your job or you didn't and you got rewarded for it where shows were a little bit more vague. But as I got older, I really loved shows because I, I felt like my, I had the opportunity to use my skating to move other people and to make them feel something. Um, and, and even now when I do shows, I love that opportunity to continue to do what I love and to, to share that with other people through the shows. I'm sure you, you understand the same by doing shows. Is, is It's like we have this love of skating, but we get to share it with other people who may not be able to do it, but can, can get inspired by watching skating. Absolutely. It's been really cool talking to some other skaters who are doing pro skating now and doing a lot of shows where they've expressed the sentiment to me about how they feel like they've been able to grow a lot in show skating and their artistry past competitive skating, which I think is so, so cool and inspiring that skating doesn't have to end with the competitive outlet. 100%. And I'm such a supporter of professional skating. I mean, if you look back in the 90s when everyone won the Olympics and then went pro and had a 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 year pro career is that no one, everyone got better after they were done competing. Not a single one of those skaters stayed the same. They all became better. They all became better entertainers, better skaters, because you stop worrying about landing the jumps. Now you're, you're trying three jumps instead of seven in your program. And, and it's more about you're competing with the other person or you know, in case of professional competitions. Uh, and it's all about the artistry. It's about the story that you can tell, how you audience and the judges feel. And so I think uh, we don't unfortunately have those opportunities of professional competitions, mm-hmm. but at least, at least they're skating beyond the competitive sphere. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so, so important for like, you know, everyone becomes a better skater once they stop competing. That's how I feel personally. I would also attest to that. I feel like you just have a sense of freedom to also explore whatever style you want and not what you think is going to get you the most points, if that makes sense. That's, that's a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Well, to build off of that sentiment as well, as somebody who leans more artistic and really appreciates that part of skating, what do you think about current skating now with the huge push in technical um, kind of outweighing the artistic in skating right now for ladies, at least. Um, that's a good question. I think in my opinion, the only person who can combine the, you know, the art of professional show skating with the technicality is Jason Brown. I mean, I could watch him skate all day. He's a wonderful skater and just like, you know, two pushes across the ice. You could, I'm just drawn into the way he, he skates, but somehow he finds a freedom within the rules. And I think that the rules are, are constrictive as far as they don't really reward artistry. Mm-hmm. It's about the jumps. And if you can't do the jumps, you really don't have a chance. Um, and in that respect, I, I understand that's, that's skating, that's competitive skating, that's Olympic skating. And that's what people are going to tune in to the Olympics to watch is the technical side of the sport, even though, you know, they might be drawn to the artistic or the, the drama of skating. Yeah. I just wish that we had another, like I wish there were uh, professional competitions to be able to also show that side of skating. Um, and because I, in, unless you have like Patrick Chan came along and he could do quads and he was artistic. And I think he changed men's men's skating so that you couldn't just do quads. Um, and as far as the girls, because everyone is doing quads, I mean, that's so hard to do that. It's, it's not in, I hate to say this, but it's really not important how well you skate if you can land a quad mm-hmm. as a lady. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's too bad, but that's that's the way it is. And I'm sure someone will come along who is just as brilliant artistically as they are technically, and that will you know increase the the level of skating for the ladies as well. Definitely, it's definitely a long process to get there right like right now it's all very very technical it's all focused on the jumps and hopefully in the next few years or if we have to wait even a decade it progresses sometimes it takes longer but um this is true this this is true and i also think i also think like regarding the girls and i say girls because i Mm -hmm. many of them are very young but but regarding women's skating i 
think that men, girls get better as they become women, you know, in their twenties. I, everyone that you see, that's a, a skater that's older is they're much more mature. They are much more artistic. They're, they're much more emotional when they skate and you feel much more connected. It's exciting to watch the girls. It's exciting to watch the quads. It's exciting to watch the um, technicality of that sport. But if they could continue skating, whether it's, you know, after going through puberty, after going through an injury, after whatever it is, I think that they would be better. And I think that women's skating would be much more, uh, I don't even know the, the right term for that. It would, be, it would have a broader, broader reach maybe. Yeah, I agree. I think it would be more attractive to a wider audience, like you were saying. Um, I mean, think of Carolina Costner mm-hmm. or, or Akiko Suzuki. Like, they were great skaters, and I, they were my generation of skaters, but they were great skaters. But the, the longer they competed, the better they became. And you want to watch the Carolina of the, the 2012 and 2014 years. And if she had stopped skating after 2007 or 2008, she wouldn't be the amazing, she wouldn't have given us the amazing performances that, that we finally saw. So I think all of these girls that are amazing now, could you imagine them in 10 years, how great they would be? Even if they can't do five quads in a program. Exactly. There's a, a life learning scope that you have to take along with the athletic um, development. And it, it just makes you such a well-rounded person and skater that is able to show such a wider range of emotions and connect with more pieces of music and story when you're older and that's also something that I learned especially being the tiny the young skater um, at the top Mm -hmm. of my game but like as I move through and even now like I'm not competing but whenever I skate and I want to create new programs I feel such there's just so much more depth that I can pull from for any piece that I skate to rather than you know when I was 15 or 16 there's just kind of a limitation of what I'm really able to show, at least artistically speaking. It, it's, it's different. And I, and I like, as a, how old were you when you went to the Olympics? 15, 16? 15. Yeah. And, and it, well, it's not like how you skated then was bad. You had great programs. I remember them, but you probably would enjoy it in a different way. Now mm-hmm. when you do, when you do a program, whether it's for competition or not you just enjoy the process of creation and the process of expressing in a different way than you did when you were 15 and 16 um which also wasn't bad i mean if you go back and watch your programs it's it's not like they weren't artistic it's not like they weren't great programs i think you would just be able to give something more now exactly it's it's also just being able to show like a different type of skating like that's that's really what it is is that there's a lot of types of skating that young skaters now are doing excellent in like choosing the right music and story to portray really important for whatever age you are um, but it just it's there's true. so much more there's just so much more that you can try to experiment with I feel like when you're older and so even now when I'm listening to a song in the car I like think about oh how great would this look on the ice and then I think about oh well I could actually pull from this experience and this experience to try to put an emotion into my skating and draw from that rather than when I was 15, I would also listen to like some really great, like famous romantic songs. And I'm like 14 <laughs> years old, never been in love. And I'm like, this would look so amazing. It, it would not have the same effect. Not nearly have the same effect. <laughs> this is true. This is true. But you know what? I think that's the gift of skating. And that's what I want people to understand is that even though, even if you're not competing anymore, skating gives us this wonderful gift of being able to express how we feel to music that we love. And that's, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I'll, I'll forever be grateful to skating for that because, you know, dance and skating, what else do you get to express yourself with music? Maybe singing, but I'm terrible at that. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. A hundred (laughs) percent. That's really cool. So I don't know if you've heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. I was reading a press release about how he started taking a pH balancing alkaline supplement called Balance 7, and that's what has helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015. He even said, I have an enormous amount of energy, which is good for me. It's important when working out. I always need energy to level up. Couldn't agree with that more, Lamar. After watching him fight Aaron Carter in July's celebrity boxing match, I think it's safe to say that Balance 7 is working for him. 
Cool thing is, we've got a promotion running with Balance 7 right now, where if you go to their website, balance7.com, and use the code BELIEVE at checkout, you'll receive a free 4-ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of Balance 7 products. That product retails at $13.99, so I'd say it's worth it. Again, head to balance7.com and use the code BELIEVE at checkout and get in on the promotion. I know I will. If it works for him, it can work for you too. So what are you doing now? You're doing some coaching. I know you've done seminars and shows. Um, Yeah, what are you up to? That is sort of what I'm doing. Um, I've been coaching since I – I've been coaching before I stopped skating, but um, since I retired from competitive skating, I've been doing a lot of coaching. Um, I tried to do shows for a while, had some problems with my hips, had hip surgery, um, and finally I'm feeling better, so I've been really happy to get back into performing, into skating and shows. Um, and I don't, I'm not a head coach of anybody because I travel too much. Um, but I work with a lot of different coaches. I work with a lot of kids, especially under spins, sort of as a secondary coach. Um, but I love specializing in spins simply because I always loved doing them. But then after I had hip surgeries, I had to relearn myself how to spin. So I feel like the knowledge that I gained through that can, I can really help share that with other people. Also, as you probably know, a head coach just has so many things to focus on that, you know, giving away the spin lesson to someone else to make sure they have the right levels and the, you know, they're holding their spins and that they can do them well. Um, I've been able to do that a lot, which I really enjoy. Um, And seminars. Seminars, I feel, it's interesting because you get to meet kids for three or four days and that's it. But I, I feel like it's such a great way to share the experiences that I've had in the sport and to sort of pass along the passion that I have for this sport. Recently got back from Ecuador yesterday um, and they just got their provisional IC membership, which is super. Um, but they, you know, they love figure skating and they just want to learn more. So to be able to go to a class, so little figure skating and so few opportunities, it's just amazing to be able to, to try to, to share with them everything that I know from skating. That's so awesome. I really love that you have that spirit. I think it's so cool to see um, top skaters give back in that way. I was just talking about this um, last week because I was in Nashville for U.S. Figure Skating's High Performance Development Camp. Yes. But okay. Yeah, it's like when I have people ask me, who are you inspired by in the skating world? Like I always say Brian Boitano and Chris Yamaguchi because I'm from the Bay Area, but also they've always just been so involved. So is Scott. Like they, they give so much. They're so, um, invested in skating, like even decades after they've won, you know, and they like, they're just really great people in that sense. And so I, I feel that same pull where it's like so fun getting to meet so many skaters everywhere. Like you said, for maybe three or four days, but even so, like you never know what effect or what words you say are going to have an effect on people. And I remember, you know, hearing something from somebody when I was nine years old and that stuck for me for a long time. So it's, it's always nice to really give back and like, keep, keep staying involved in the skating world. Yeah, no, you, you have a really good point. Cause especially uh, like you mentioned, Brian and Scott and Chrissy, they have been really involved in, I mean, you see them at every U S nationals, um, and they're, they're supporting and mentoring and just, just continuing to be involved in, in whatever way via shows or, you know, mentoring, showing up at nationals, doing um, different camps. And I think it's, it's so important as, as a young skater, I didn't really, I think I remember doing one seminar and I was already junior, senior level. Um, but it, it's when a national champion or an Olympic champion or, or just someone famous from skating notices you spend some time with you, some advice. It's also it, it makes you feel important and it makes you feel, wow, what's the right word? It, it makes, it didn't re-inspires you to continue skating because someone important noticed you and spent time with you and, and shared with you something they learned from skating. And I think it makes skating more accessible and it makes being um, successful more accessible. Absolutely. I think that's actually such a great year, word to use, accessible. Like, in that exact way, it's so inspiring when somebody of that level of that caliber recognizes you. And that is something that motivates you to continue because they're watching you and it it basically makes it seem like they're going to keep watching you. So then in turn, you feel like, okay, 
Like I, I especially now want to go home and put in even more work so that next time they see me, they do see that improvement that they obviously believe I can make. Yes. And, and also I think it shows them that what, you know, what they are as champions is not that much different from, from you because they came from where you are. And, you know, we all started mm-hmm. out as a nobody and we, through a lot of hard work, became successful in skating. And I don't know, just being there and being with them helps them understand that we're real people and we started out just like them. What are the types of lessons that you try to leave your students? So you are a spin specialist, obviously. Um, But if you were to leave them with some type of inspiring thing that they could take beyond skating, what are those types of things you try to touch on? If you do. Um, I, I think two, two big things is one, I try to remind them why they started skating, what they love about skating and why they're skating. Part of it, it because it really is so personal um, and it's really hard to be successful if you don't like to skate, if you don't want to skate, if you don't remember why you're skating. You know, if, if this is something that you absolutely want to do, then you'll make the sacrifice, you'll make the choices to be successful in, in whatever way success, what, whatever success means to you. So I think that's one of the big things that I try to remind everybody is that there's a reason you come into the rink, but make sure it's the right one, not just because your mom is driving you there. <laughs> um, and, and the other one is just, just that we can always learn and we can always be better. And that's, that's what skating is, is, is just us trying to continually improve ourselves and continually try to be better than we were yesterday. And that's, that's what winning is. That's what true winning is. That's really awesome. I like that a lot. What was the retirement transition like for you? For me, it was pretty tough. I defined myself way too much by my skating. Um, and I, I went to college full time. I got my degree while I was competing. So I should have had something else in my life besides skating. But I just, I loved skating so much. My whole life was around skating. All of the people I knew were in skating. And so retiring, I felt like I, I didn't know who I was and I didn't know what I wanted to be. And I didn't know how else to define myself. How did you figure that out? Like what made you be okay with that transition and what like lifted you out of the skating definition of who you were? Ooh, that's hard. Um, it's not like I left skating, that's for sure. But I, I feel like sometimes in the skating world, once you retire and you don't move on from skating, people think that you're stuck. Um, I don't, I'm sure you've probably gotten that feeling as well, that like if you haven't become as successful in another part of your life as you were in skating, then you're just not successful. But that's not um, the way it goes, right? It's, it's about what you want to do to make yourself happy what you know what career path that you really Mm -hmm. feel a passion for and it's hard to find that after skating right because you worked since you were a young child to to reach these goals so it's not like we are unfamiliar with hard work it's just that we can't find another passion that we want to work as hard for um and for me it Mm -hmm. was it was several years of sort of floundering I really liked skating. I wanted to perform in shows. My body wasn't letting me perform in shows. I wanted to coach skating, but I didn't want to coach skating if I wasn't performing in shows. I didn't know what else to do with my life. I, um, I'm interested in a lot of other things, but I just didn't feel ready to leave skating. So I, I sort of floundered around, did a few shows, did a bunch of coaching. Um, and I sort of stayed in skating, obviously. And I really am sort of finding how much I want to share my passion for skating in whatever way that is. Um, I have a couple projects mm-hmm. that I'm working on as well regarding skating. Um, and I just, I'm, I'm grateful that our sport lets us continue. You know, we have professional shows. We have opportunities to make a career in skating, even though we're no longer competing. And, you know, what other Olympic sport? gives you that option. So I'm really grateful for skating is that I didn't just have to become a coach that I can still perform. That's really awesome. Something that I've learned that like struggle to kind of find yourself outside of the sport, but not really want to let go is something that's been very relatable for a lot of people I've talked to in the skating world and myself included. I've only been (laughs) in retirement 
haha for like one year officially but really out of competition since for the last four years so I I've I have noticed especially in this past year um a complete change in my perception and the way I think and view skating than I was when I initially retired and that hardship definitely experienced it the struggle of like trying to find myself and like find an identity outside of clean Edmonds the figure skater um it was hard and I feel like by staying in skating in some way or another I have like different projects I'm working on as well but things like doing this podcast things like doing seminars and getting to meet and talk to a lot of skaters I feel like has really healed my relationship mm-hmm. with skating in a way I didn't even know needed healing That's amazing. but it's been yeah it's been really cool to see how you can be involved and like still make an impact and still teach things to other skaters who maybe need help mm-hmm. um and it doesn't have to be only through competitive skating because as you know yes a lot of your yes. identity gets formed on I have to be on the podium or nobody's gonna care and that's just not true <laughs> It's, it's really unfortunate because that what you said exactly is how we feel as competitive skaters is that you are not important unless you're on the podium. And it's such a small percentage of the people that make the podium. There's a, such a small percentage of skaters that make nationals. And skating is, I mean, it can give you so much more than just the title or just the medal. Like I am such a big fan of adult skating for example because Mm -hmm. adults are skating because they love to skate they of course you know they want to make this challenge or they want to you know compete at this competition or they they have certain goals for themselves but they come into the rink and they expect that they're going to come into the rink their entire lives you know whether it's 6 30 in the morning before they go to work or during their lunch hour or on weekends and i wish skating could be like that for everybody that it's it's not just a competitive sport but it's a it's a way of moving it's a way of life it's a way of expressing how you feel it's a great form of exercise and it shouldn't be our results from it shouldn't define who we feel that we are or how we see other people which is uh as you know how the competitive skating world can be yeah it's it's definitely it's very difficult to disalign yourself from that when you're in it Um, and so it takes obviously a lot of reflection once you're out of it to kind of understand that that is how you were perceiving it. And then to, on top of that, try to flip the perception and see, okay, how can I make this a really positive experience, not only for myself, but for other people? Um, yes, that's true. Yeah. So, and that's why it's like really cool that you're coaching and you're doing seminars and still reaching out back towards the skating community because there's just so much that people in your position can still, give and make impact with and I I really I'm I'm happy that U.S. figure skating now is promoting more avenues with skating Mm -hmm. um because you know you see that like the Olympics going to the Olympics is this great goal and it's an amazing it's um you've been there you you know the experience it's you work your entire life and you've dedicated so much to making that goal but not to detract from that but there are thousands and thousands of skaters who will never get near to that goal and they should still be allowed to skate yes <laughs> um, and so I'm glad that um I'm glad that U.S. figure skating is promoting other avenues whether it's the um oh my goodness the um the what's the the track that that just had their nationals the um collegiate skating no nah, well that one too well collegiate skating is great actually but like um showcase and oh, um, yes, theater yes, yes. on ice theater synchronized on ice, skating synchro. Yeah, there's so and many. And even the Excel, even the Excel series yes. or solo dance, like these are great avenues. You still have a goal. You still are working hard. You're still bettering yourself. And, and it's okay that you don't qualify for the Olympics. Yeah. That doesn't define how successful your skating career is. You can still enjoy it. You can still become a better skater and become a better person. And so I think U.S. figure skating is promoting that much more than they ever have, or at least – it appears like they are, but I'm really glad that they've um, put some effort into these other avenues. Yeah, I totally agree. There's so much that you can take from skating or any sport, no matter what level you reach. And with those programs that U.S. figure skating are, in fact, pushing out, 
I definitely wish that I had that when I was a skater, you know, 10 years ago. So it's been really awesome to see them start implementing these things and see the younger skaters actually benefit. Um, and you can see it too. Yes. There's, it's like driving a sense of deeper community within different skating circles. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I've learned actually, speaking of community, I've um, been part of Ice Dance International, that tour for the last few years. Um, and it's as much a community engagement as it is a tour. Um, and I love, I love, love, love the tour because it, there's so much about the performance and the skating and the artistry, but also we have um, a lot of community engagement. And I really understood after that tour, uh, after I participated in the first time, I really understood how important it is to the community to engage with them. We did um, a bunch of classes. We did some school classes, but we did a bunch of classes for the adult skaters of the local community and their their response to it, their feedback and their, just how excited they got every time we had a class with them. It made me realize that's what skating is about. Is it about the community? Mm -hmm. And it's about, you know, being able to express yourself in whatever form, whether you're working on a three turn and you're trying to, um, you know, do the three turn to the music or you're just, you have time away from, let's say real life to be able to um, spend time with people who enjoy the same, same things that you do. Exactly. Very, very on point. <laughs> cool. Well, my last question would be, it is an Olympic season. We have a lot of great lady skating going into this nationals, a lot of really good skaters. If you've been watching, who are the ladies that you're really looking at going into this nationals and to our like ladies team and both nationally and internationally, if you'd like to answer that. Whew. Um, it's well, <laughs> first of all, it's been so tough for them with COVID um, with, yeah. I know that most of them have been training, but it's hard to train in situations where you don't have every Grand Prix where you don't have people at nationals, where you don't have people at world, when you don't know if there's going to be the Olympics happening, it has to be so much harder, just the stress and the unknown to be able to train for that. Um, and you know, timing mm -hmm. is everything. Timing is everything in Olympic cycles. It is. Mm -hmm. um, and if, if I'm looking at internationally for the Olympics, it's going to be the young one. It's always the young one that wins the Olympics, right? It's always the one that you, <laughs> the one that you think is going to win. That's been, you know, dominating everything for the few years beforehand that ends up being the one right below them that comes up and wins, um, which would be what the Camila Valieva, the one Russian that has the mm -hmm. amazing yes. quad toe and it must be, it must be amazing to do quads. I wish that I had experienced that feeling in my life, but I'm very glad that I didn't have to do them. Yes, me too. Definitely. <laughs> um, let's see. It, nationally, I haven't really seen anybody compete this season. I've, I've seen a little bit of Alyssa Liu because Jeremy's been working with her. And um, mm -hmm. I think he and Massimo have done an amazing job. Artistically, she is a much more mature skater. Um, and I know mm -hmm. she's working to get the triple axel and the quad lutz back. Or maybe she has. I don't know. Um, and, of course, mm -hmm. Brady Tunnell and Mariah Bell and Karen Chen. Am I missing anybody? Amber Glenn. It'll be, it'll be mm -hmm. quite the battle because they're all very much capable of qualifying for the Olympics. And who knows? There's going to be somebody else that we didn't discuss and they'll be up in the picture too, right? That's what makes it exciting, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's never what you expect for the Olympics. Never. And that makes it even more stressful for all the competitors. But that's life. This is true. <laughs> this is true. That's really cool. Well, I'm really excited to watch this season. I think there's Me just too. a really deep pool of talent, both nationally and internationally. So it's going to be. I want to know who you think will uh, be our team. Who I think will be our team. Yeah. We have three spots, right? Yeah, we do. I believe. Well, I think we secured three and then they're going to make sure that it's secured on a senior B, I think, Nebelhorn trophy this That's season. It. That's a new rule this year, isn't it? I haven't delved into the qualification updates yeah. with the, the whole um, Nebelhorn Trophy thing. Yeah, I didn't – I don't know if it's, like, new or they did a last Olympics too. Um, 
I have no idea. I don't know if it also has something to do with there just wasn't any international competition. So maybe the points oh. just need to be like secured more. I don't know. Oh, I really that, don't know. Yeah. It maybe could be COVID changed things. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Three spots. There's just, there's so many great skaters. I definitely think um, I love watching Amber Glenn skate. She has that triple axle from last season. Um, hopefully she can so put it impressive. together. Yeah. I think for her, like mentally is going to be what she needs to work on being really consistent and just putting it all together when it counts. Um, but if she did, I think she's definitely like our full package. Brady Tunnell also so strong technically Karen Chen, same thing, like amazing artistic skater. They all have like great qualities. So does Mariah Bell. Alyssa also, she's young, but like she's very consistent, which is very, very important in our sport. So it's going to be, I, I don't think that there really is a prediction right now. I mean, I guess we'll see throughout the Grand Prix season that happens in the fall, but all of them just have amazing qualities. So we're going to see. And I hope they'll, I hope they'll be able to compete. I hope they'll, there will be an Olympics this season. I yeah. hope that everything will go according to plan. And I, you know, I just hope that everyone can train healthily, you know, because it's been such a tough tough couple of years for the competitors for everyone but could you imagine competing with the unknowns of last year no I think I think also just the lack of competing would at least for me been really hard you know like that you need to practice that adrenaline um so to have a year like lacking that I feel like going into this season would be rather frightening just because all of a sudden you're back (laughs) and there's been no practice skating in front of cardboard cutouts and then getting to um the olympics with you know real maybe there'll be real people in the stands that will be different as well maybe i guess we just don't know big question mark (laughs) (laughs) cardboard cardboard cutouts of dogs yes oh no and cats got you know i love that all of them (laughs) oh my goodness but yeah putting really good vibes out for everyone and all the competitions this year hopefully everything goes according to plan so We'll see. I'll be, I'll be watching. I'll be cheering them all on. Same. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. That was a lot of really, really good insight and advice for people to listen to. So thank you, Alyssa. Yeah. Thank, thanks for having me. And I just, I hope people keep skating because it's such, we have such an amazing sport that we're a part of and it's, it's for everyone. It is. Amen. <laughs> well i hope you guys enjoyed this podcast please leave me a comment leave me a review i love hearing what you guys have to say follow me on my instagram that's where i'm promoting this my username is at paulina edmonds and please dm me if you have any requests for my podcast any interview requests or if you yourself would like to come on you have a fun skating story that you'd like to share i'm always looking for new voices to feature so please reach out to me And stay tuned for my future podcast episodes I release every Tuesday, and I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape. Or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today. And view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money.